Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Thank you guys for your prayers. Uh, my reading plan buddies, I've got some catching up to do. Thank you guys for, y'all Y'all have kept each other accountable. Um, studied, studied all week. Pastor's getting ordained in June. I passed. <sighs> there was a lot of tears after that because I'm just done with the schooling part. I was so excited about that. Um, I'd like to say everybody come join me, but I don't know what district assembly looks like yet. They're still gonna, they're still making those decisions on how that's gonna be, and there will be some type of service, but it might be. Um, you know, limited space. We just don't know. They, they haven't made that decision yet. So, um, but I'm excited. Um, our general superintendent that will be ordaining me is, um, Pastor Chombo from South Africa. So I am so pumped about that, that he'll be the one ordaining me. Can you guys believe it's been a year? Mm. <laughs> a year. That is crazy. A year ago this weekend was our last in-person service when everything shut down. We were one of those that kind of pushed it to the, you know, very end of like, no, we can do this, we can do this. And then they said, no, you can't. Everybody needs to go home. Um, So it's been a year. That is just crazy to me. I've kind of enjoyed looking at some of the memories that pop up, but it's just crazy. A year. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Jackson, you wasn't here a while ago, buddy. I gave you a shout-out. Thank you for my picture you left me last week. I missed you too, by the way. (laughs) Oh, that made my day, Jackie. Thank you for sending me that text. Mark chapter 8, verse 11. This is where Pharisees confront Jesus. says, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, now he just went, he's coming back from feeding the 4,000. Okay, not not to be confused with your 5,000, the 4,000. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them and he crossed to the other side of the lake. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. And Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. 
And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. Lord, this is your word, alive and active. Would Would you have it just breathe into us today? That we may each receive your message and change because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's been a year. Man, you guys remember what it was like a year ago? How surprising things started flying off the shelf. This was my memory on Facebook this morning. I got my toilet paper, guys. We're we're all good. Who in here was scrambling for toilet paper a year ago? Don't lie. Was it just me? Hey, we were seriously worried. Thomas is back there. We were serious. We thought that it was a big joke until I'm at home with three college kids living with me and thinking, you know, they're going to be stuck with me who knows how long. And I had one pack of toilet paper. That ain't going to work, people. (laughs) And there was none. You know, I embarrassed myself because I went to a district meeting that week and I said, woohoo, in the middle of the meeting. And Dr. Askren said, what's up? And I said, Thomas just sent me a text and said he found toilet paper. (laughs) But I was serious. But things began to disappear. But you, you want to know what one of the most surprising things that disappeared off of the shelves was? Yeast. Did y'all know that? Like you couldn't find yeast. You couldn't find yeast in the packet. You couldn't find it in the jars. You couldn't find it. I mean, it just, it began to disappear like crazy. And if you're on social media at all, you understand why. Because all of a sudden, everybody got locked up at home. And all of a sudden, everybody thought they were Betty Crocker. And they wanted to bake bread. I mean, seriously, this was a real thing. Like, social media, at least mine was, began to fill up with people of like, look at this loaf of bread. Isn't this so cute? You know? And so people were at home making bread. And yes, I thought about making some. Sorry, Raymond. I just was too busy over the weekend, could not get my starter kicked up fast enough, and I couldn't deal with it. Um, and, and if you know anything about making bread, I mean, this is one way. This is the quick way. But you can also do the sourdough starters, right? Which actually has its own yeast built into there, Right? And so if you know anything about how yeast works, it feeds off the sugars, right? It it gives out the carbon dioxide. kind of grosses me out if you study it too close. Like you don't want to know what goes into the making of your bread, right? But if you know anything about yeast, there's like thousands of kinds of yeast. There's good yeast. There's bad yeast. We know there's yeast that makes us sick, right? We know that, you know, there's good and there's bad. But it's... Through the ages of time, for some reason, bread is that staple of comfort, right? As soon as there's a storm coming, what disappears off the shelves? Bread. And I thought about this here this past year when it would disappear off the shelf, and I thought, well, did you get your ham and bologna to go with it? Because what are you going to do with that, you know? Like, are you really going to survive three weeks of a blizzard on just a loaf of bread? So what else are you putting with that bread? I'm just wondering. Anybody got any ideas? I mean, like, because the bread, the milk, and the eggs go. I'm like, man, that is not a balanced diet at all. (laughs) Right? You got to have something. Me, I'm over here going, give me a box of Twinkies, give me some cookies. 
<laughs> yeah, go ahead with the milk, you know. But bread has always been that sort of staple when that when we, we want comfort. We want something. And and we know that. And I am so sad. I had the thought once I got here this morning, I said, I should have got rolls today and I could have threw them like Lamberts at you people. Y'all are so lucky I don't think about this stuff before I get here, right? <laughs> Bo asked me if we was going to get to eat it. So board members, here's your snack today. <laughs> We'll break some bread together. As we're looking at this passage today, you know, maybe you've never paid attention to the fact that there's two feedings that Jesus does, the 5,000 and the 4,000. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever just sort of skipped over and thought, well, I just don't know how to count one person? No, they are two separate situations. And it's they, they have similarities... But here's the big difference. The 5,000, he was feeding the Jews. You see, when you're reading your Bible, you have to know that numbers mean things. It's not by accident. And that's what makes the Bible so awesome because we have 66 books written by different authors. And it all goes together. That's why we say it's completely inspired by God, the way this book is put together. So the 5,000, he's feeding the Jews, and how many baskets did he say was left over? Twelve, which represents the 12 tribes of Judah, okay? And in this situation, he had just fed the 4,000. And also remember when we say 5,000, 4,000, that was the men counted. That was not the families. That was not the Jacksons and Rayleys and the Daltons and the, you know, that was not the whole count. But the 4,000 then... He's feeding Gentiles. And how many baskets was picked up after? Seven. Seven in the book, in the Bible, is a number of completion. So see, you have to understand there's some foreshadowing going on in these stories that is very important. Because in the feeding of the 4,000, in that seven baskets of leftovers, in that moment of completion... Jesus is saying God's grace is for everyone, abundantly. God is saying, I have enough for everybody. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. So this was a a, a new concept. This was a, a new thought for them to have. But now despite the fact that these disciples just saw this miracle... And that's a miracle. I mean, that's like me walking to Mina with my loaves of bread and feeding everybody in that town. You get that? That's the kind of miracle we're talking about. And despite seeing that, they've already forgotten. You see, what we're talking about today is the abundance of God versus... The myth of scarcity, which means not enough. And they have completely forgotten. They've already worried. They, you know, they think Jesus. You have to understand, they, they think that Jesus is getting on to them because they didn't bring enough provisions. Man, we forgot to pack the lunchbox. We only got one loaf of bread on here. You just saw the dude multiply, and you're worried that you don't have enough. So 
Are we anything like that? Because while we might not always feel like we have enough in our life, it's always enough in the hands of God. Church, do you hear me? Let me say that again. We might not always feel like we have enough in our life, but it's always enough in the hands of God. Truth. And I bet we could tell testimonies today of those moments when God provides. And I'm not just talking finances here. Let's, let's expand that box. I'm talking about when he gave you enough strength to just get out of bed and get up and walk. When he gives us enough strength to just show up. We can tell all of these testimonies about it. But somehow it's easy to forget what God has done for us. I promise you that I could ask for testimonies right now, and I bet you would fill up the time with it, and as soon as you walk out of the building, a problem's going to hit you, and you'll begin to worry. Because we forget that fast. We forget that fast how God provides for us. So these disciples, it was easy to forget. They, They just basically came across the lake and already forgot what Jesus had done. And even though the miracle had just happened, the provisions had just happened, they're worried about how we're going to feed 12 of us versus 4,000 of us. It seems silly when we're looking at it, but it's really what happens. Think about it. A year ago, quarantine, the, the, everything shuts down. And what happened? We began to panic, right? <laughs> There's no toilet paper. There was no wipes. There was no Lysol, you know, no mask. No, what, what do we do? You know, and we began to what? We began to check on each other, didn't we? We began to check on people to make sure, okay, I'll, I'll go to town for you. You're not getting out. I can do that for you. So we would leave things on doorsteps, didn't we? That's one of my best memories out of 2020 is the church was the church. You became the hands and the feet of Jesus, and that's how we're supposed to be all the time. And you checked on each other, and what happened is when we began to share... Everything multiplied. And all of a sudden, we made it. Everybody made it through. Like, I never sat in the bathroom and cried once because I ran out of toilet paper. I had enough. We never worried about food because why? We took it to each other. When we got lonely, we called one another. We learned how to Zoom. So we could see each other. We learned how to connect online and watch church, and we still had church. That didn't stop. We haven't missed a weekend in this past year. That's what happens when God begins to multiply his blessings in our life. And you see, Jesus is comparing the grace and goodness of the bread 
and what he has to offer versus the infectious nature of yeast, because that's what yeast does. It, it really only takes a little bit of this. So like I use a, a starter when I make bread, but when I start my starter, I will literally take just a sprinkle out of one of these packs and put in there to give it a jump start to make sure that it gets a good start with the yeast. I don't know how anybody else creates their, their starters, but that's how I'll create mine in the initial phase of it. And it doesn't take much, right? If you know anything about yeast, it doesn't take much. And so Jesus begins to talk about the difference between his abundant grace versus the infectious attitude of the Pharisees and Herod. You see, Jesus, his bread is plentiful. There is no shortage in the kingdom of God. In fact, one of our articles of faith is prevenient grace, and it's talking about the work of God in our lives before we accept Jesus for our salvation. But it talks about that the grace is for everybody. Everybody. Romans 5 tells me that that grace is for everyone. There's no shortage. We don't ever have to worry about God running out of grace for the next person or the next generation. And Jesus is extending that grace. And he's proclaiming a kingdom. What is happening in this passage is it's a kingdom of inclusion, not exclusion. And this is important. You know, I thought it was interesting that Jesus names the Pharisees and Herod, the king. The yeast of the Pharisees and Herod exists in a very stark contrast to what Jesus is telling us. Herod is the king, and and when you're in that position of political power, sometimes you become greedy because you feel like there's not enough. Like you have to hold on to that power. And that's the kind of king Herod was. If you know your history, if you look back, Herod was clinging so tightly to power, he killed his own sons so they couldn't take the throne from him. Political power can be very corruptive. And so in this type of kingdom, there's never enough for everyone, right? Herod couldn't be satisfied with living his life and someday the kids will get the kingdom, right? He was too scared that they would kill him first and take the kingdom. That's what political power does sometimes. And Jesus included that in here. But then he talked about the Pharisees and where their focus, what does their yeast look like? Theirs was law versus grace. The Pharisees get stuck sometimes in the law. What does it say? They immediately started to argue with him and test him on the law. Right? We've talked about this on Wednesday night, how he gets in so much trouble because he does so much on the Sabbath. And it broke the law that he was doing God's will. What is our will for God to love God and love people? And that's what he was doing. But the Pharisees, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to find something that they can really nail him to the wall, that he's really broke a big law, right? Their relationship as people of God was more about self-righteousness instead of just being right with God. 
And that becomes a problem. The kingdom of God to the Pharisees and Herod was one of exclusion. In other words, they were always figuring out who was in and who was out. Who could be part of the group, who could not. Who was clean, who was unclean. That was how everything revolved around them. And anytime you have a, a nation, you know, why did he bring up Herod? Because anytime you have a nation state, then you obviously start dreaming up who your enemies are against you. And so they both had the, the, the Pharisees and Herod had this problem of always figuring out who was against them, who was out there. And Jesus came and brought a radical message of inclusion. My grace is sufficient for all. So these harmful ideas, the danger Jesus was trying to bring up was how easy these ideas filter in. It's easy to get caught up in legalism. And it can start in a good place of just saying, you know, God is trying to direct us. When we studied the Ten Commandments, we knew God was trying to teach the people how to live a righteous life to where they could have a life joined with him again. Nothing wrong with that. But the moment we spin it and start saying, oh, you don't act like me. You're not where I'm at. So you can't be a part of this. That's the moment it becomes legalism. Because we start judging. And that's so easy to slide into. It's easy to let that exclusion come in. It's easy to start creating enemies and being trapped in this idea of there's not enough. And Jesus said, oh, don't you have eyes and ears yet? Haven't you figured out yet that I am coming with plenty of love? and grace for everyone. But what the disciples didn't get, sometimes we don't get it either. Despite the miracles that are happening right in front of their eyes, they're seeing people healed, they're seeing people fed. Despite all of that, they're still missing the radical work of Jesus. Because they're still operating in a vision that the world gives. And the world tells me, well, your bank account only has so much money, so you can only do so much. And when I, when I operate in the way the world tells me that, then when God whispers in my ear to give, I go, I can't. Because <laughs> Union Bank says, I only have this. I can't give that, Lord, because you know if I give that, then I can't pay that bill. But when we begin to look at things through the vision of the kingdom of God, we trust there's enough. And if God leads us, he's going to provide for us. We saw that when the Israelites are going through the wilderness, right, with Moses. And they're complaining because they're hungry and they need food. What does he do? He drops manna. He drops the, the quail from the sky. There was enough. There was enough. In fact, there was more than enough. They just had to go out and pick up what they needed. And the rest would disappear. There was enough. 
But somehow we forget. We forget what God's already done. We forget what he did yesterday sometimes. All it takes is one phone call sometimes to rock our world and we forget. But why worry when Jesus is right? I mean, you know this is what Jesus is thinking when they're like, oh, we're sorry, we forgot to pack lunch and we only got one loaf of bread and uh, we didn't even bring any fish with this bread. And I'm sure Jesus is like, I'm right here. I got you. I'm in the boat. I got you. Church, do you believe Jesus is in the boat with you this morning? Do you believe it when the scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Because if you believe that, then don't fall into the lies that happen so easily. But the disciples are still susceptible to the ways of the world, and so are we. We talked about this Wednesday night in our study about the whisper campaigns that happen, right? The little things that can trickle in. What does it look like today? Oh, the, the yeast looks like things that we come across on social media. And we buy into it as truth. And we forget to check the sources. Right? Or we buy into it because everybody bought into it, Right? I mean, honestly, I get a little frustrated because everybody's worried the government's trying to control us and and, and they're not going to control me. You set your clock back today, didn't you? Don't let the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod slip in. Because when we do that, it begins to exclude people. It begins to create enemies that you don't have. Because my Bible and your Bible says, my fight is not against the flesh and blood of this world. My fight is against the principalities of air, the things in the spiritual realm that are out here sprinkling yeast to separate a church, to separate us from the ones we need to be carrying the gospel to. The disciples can directly connect to us because how often do we forget the miracles? How often do we look at the world through eyes of the world? Oh, it's so easy for me to forget what God did in my own life. And it's easy for me to begin to think of people as hopeless and why are we even wasting time there? They're never going to get it. And then I have to remember where I was when God found me. And it was nowhere near being right with the Lord. But he was working his grace. He was putting people in my life that I didn't recognize at the time. And so there's people in our lives the same way. So do we trap ourselves and others under a burden of legalism? It's yeast. Do we leave others out because we're focused on the law over grace? That's the yeast. Do we reject others based on some kind of unattainable perfection standard? Yeast. Do we believe this myth of scarcity that there's not enough when God says, I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you life abundantly. 
abundantly. You know, despite saying we want to follow Jesus, sometimes we just often forget where the real food of life comes from. And it's not CNN, it's not Fox, it's not Facebook, it's not even TikTok as much as I love it. Real life comes from the bread of life. And that's Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm so excited, church, to see so many of you doing the Bible reading plan. I know we're still in the Old Testament and you guys are so sick of names. I got you. I got you. But you still got to find those little nuggets sometimes. Okay, one of the nuggets I got this week as I was catching up was this fun fact. Did y'all catch when they were divvying out land and the group of women came to them and said, our dad's gone, there's no brothers, can you give us land? And they did. And I know today we overlook that as no big deal. Back in that day, that would have been a big deal for land to be given to the women. But I thought what was more impressive, they were bold enough to come and ask. Just a little nugget. And I know some of you are looking at me like, I don't even know where she read that this week. I promise it was in there. You got to look for the nuggets. Here's the trick, church. We are supposed to be consuming grace. Now, we're great consumers. We love to consume. But we also need to be extending grace and living in grace with others. So when you leave here, my prayer is that you're changed. But my prayer is now you are taking what you just received and you go out there and you give it. You give it to somebody else that needs that grace. Every culture has a version of bread. You have tortillas. You have... Indian flatbread. Oh, I love that stuff. That, that's, a, that's almost a sin. That stuff's so good. You have sourdough. We can sit here and name breads all day long. You have donuts. Let's go to Duncan's. Let's go somewhere and get a donut. Oh, I just had a random thought. You know what I discovered? I was today years old. I love iced coffee. Anybody else? I've always avoided iced coffee because it seems so gross sounding to me. Like, I hate when my coffee gets cold, so why would I want it on ice? We we wound up at Sonic yesterday because Cracker Barrel was too full, and I was like, mm, I ain't going in there. And uh, I had a nice coffee, and oh my. Sonic gift cards, anybody, just send them my way. I'm just telling you, I fell in love with it. French vanilla, shot of caramel. Speaking of gift cards, too, thank you, guys. Uh, we're sitting in Cracker Barrel Friday night, and uh, Thomas is getting ready to pay, and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. And I dig in my purse, and I start flipping through the 3,000 gift cards from you guys. He said, do you have one? I said, I think I do. Just hang on. And I went through, and I was like, oh, no, I didn't have one. Wait. I got another stash. I dig through my <laughs> I'm sure people are looking at us like, them orders, what are they doing, you know? I was like, yes, I found one. So I don't remember who gave it to me, but thanks somebody that sent us to Cracker Barrel. Because I got one of them good old biscuits. There's another bread we love. Mm-hmm. So culture has their own versions of bread. Bread is the cornerstone of survival. 
Sorry, Atkins and Keto. I, I need my bread. Sorry, Paula. Sorry. She's like, of all the things BJ could have been preaching on today because she's not eating bread. But in the Bible, let me tell you what bread means. It's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of grace and inclusion. That's why Jesus used it at the Last Supper as an illustration of his body being broken for us. Because it's a symbol of what God wants to do in our lives. But the question still is, whose bread are you consuming? As we continue through the Lent process, whatever it is that you've given up or you're doing, I I, I want you to focus this week on cleaning our lives out of the yeast of the world. Really begin to examine the voices you consume in your life. Is it truly from God or is it a yeast of the world that slips in? And may we remember that God's grace is extended to all. So when you're, when you're examining, is it a yeast of the world or is, it, is this really of God? If it's causing you to exclude people, God doesn't exclude. God includes. So when it starts pushing us away from people that need Jesus just as much as you and I because he created them, that's your litmus test for that. Love God and love people is what we're called to do. Stand with me and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your patience. I thank you that when we don't have the eyes and ears, just like the disciples, and we seem to miss it, God, you are so patient with us. And it's because of your abundant grace that many of us are sitting and standing here today, Lord. Because when we were far from you, you were still calling us to you. That God, no matter what our sins was, you forgave them. God, may we have that same heart. I'm just asking right now, Lord, if, if anyone here has, has a heart of exclusion, has a heart of stone, God, may it break right now. May our heart be broken for the things that break your heart. And right now, you want us to come together as the church, big C. God, you want us to love people that are different than us, not exclude them from us. God, could you just work in our hearts? Each person here today is hearing a different message. I I just pray that it will find good soil and that, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit begins to work in their lives. When we leave here, when we disconnect from home, God, may your message continue to resonate in our hearts all week long. And God, thank you that your grace was for everyone for Jew and Gentile alike, because, God, I fall in that latter category. So thank you that, God, you included us all. And may our hearts have that same mindset when we leave here today. Lord, we love you. And if we haven't told you that today, may our hearts shout it right now how much we love you. Thank you, Jesus, 
for showing us the way, for being the atonement for our sins, and for showing us that we'll be resurrected along beside you someday. May we be ready for that. In the name of Jesus, and all of God's people said, Amen. Church, have a beautiful, blessed, wet Sunday, I believe. But go be a blessing to somebody today and the rest of this week. Board members, take a little break and we'll meet right back in here. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.